Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. On today's show, I'm joined by married couple and authors Jason Pfeiffer and Jennifer Miller to talk about their new novel, Mr. Nice Guy, as well as answering your emails. We talk about working together and sleeping together, how to keep things hot. Writing about sex is one thing, but talking about it, it's a whole other ballgame. Penis sex toys. What will give you the most bang for your buck and why what we want in the bedroom can be completely different from what we want in our regular life. All this and more. Thanks for listening. You know I'm all about your pleasure. I'm a huge fan of finding new ways for you to experience it even more. And for the guys, I know you love your orgasms, but what if I told you you could experience pleasure in a whole new way that's going to completely blow your mind? Okay, hear me out. You've probably heard me call the prostate the male G-spot. Well, that's because when stimulated, it can lead to strong erections and incredibly intense orgasms. Yes, I'm talking about prostate play. And whether or not you've tried it before, Aneros knows that prostate stimulation feels amazing. Funny enough, they found this out by accident because their products were originally for health benefits, but they got this incredible feedback. Can you just imagine the feedback? Um, hi, I just had the most incredible orgasm from my butt. Anyway, please meet the new Trident Collection. Each Aneros massager in this lineup hits three areas of stimulation, internally on the prostate or P-spot and externally on the perineum and the K-spot just behind the anus. I know, who knew there were so many spots? Bottom line, these external acupressure points can lead to full body orgasms. Aneros calls this the super O. I call it the holy crap O. I'm sure you'll find some good names for it. And what makes Aneros products unique is that they're self-powered, meaning they don't vibrate or require batteries. Your body's own movement makes the magic happen. Use them on your own or with a partner. The results are explosive. Like all Aneros products, the Trident massagers have been medically researched and are anatomically configured to fit perfectly. They're made from a solid, non-porous, body-safe plastic that is comfortable and easy to clean. I have so much to say about Aneros, and I'll be talking about them more in the future. And you're always asking me for more male toys, so you're welcome. Check out the Trident line for yourself. Just go to sexwithemily.com slash Aneros. That's sexwithemily.com slash A-N-E-R-O-S today. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Hey, Emily, you got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. A girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean, like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. Well, you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com. Check it out. Check out our website, all the awesome blogs and information to help you have better sex. We love when you comment and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a star rating. It totally helps. And listen on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We are there. And you can follow us on social media. It's all at Sex with Emily across the board. We are there. Okay, you guys, first, here's an interview I did, a Skype interview, and I hope you'll enjoy it because I think they are such a great couple, Jason Pfeiffer and Jennifer Miller. He's the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. He hosts podcasts. He used to work as an editor at Men's Health, Maxim Fast Company. And Jennifer Miller, she's an author and journalist. She's written a few novels, and she frequently writes for the New York Times Style section, which I'm obsessed with. And she writes for the Washington Post Magazine, Bloomberg, Business Week, Entrepreneur, lots of places. But they came together and they wrote a book, and I just love this concept. They wrote this novel called Mr. Nice Guy, and um, we're going to get into it. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. So tell me about your inspiration for writing a book together. Jason and well, Jen, you adorable couple. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. So I had I got an email from someone you know named Julia Allison, mm-hmm. who at the time was named Julia Bauer. And she reached out to me just after she had graduated college and she was getting into sex writing or she was a sex writer or something. I can't Right, remember. right. And she was looking for writing advice. And at the time I had written for – I was in my 20s and I had written for a 
bunch of places about sex. I, I had gotten this advice when I just started being a writer that you should specialize in something, and I didn't know what to specialize in, so I figured the very first thing that I got, like the very first piece that I landed, I, whatever that subject was, I would just specialize in it. And uh, it happened to be the sex section of Salon.com. Oh, uh, that's a big one. Especially Salon when the, had a sex section. They, that, was the, that was the one, though. That was oh, like was the account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it was it just felt like a life-changing moment. And so I was like, I am a sex writer. And <laughs> so um so I wrote it for a salon and a couple and a couple other places and then Julia reached out to me uh, looking for she had just graduated college. She was a sex columnist and she was looking for writing advice. And we traded emails for about a year. I actually never even met her. But, oh, okay. Um, but in the process of trading emails, I had this idea about – I was just thinking about like corresponding with a sex columnist. They weren't sexy emails. We weren't right. sexy emails. Right. Oh, right. yeah. That's right. very right. important right. to know. Very professional <laughs> She wasn't emails. like, so last night I was banging the senator or whatever No, she no, did. no. Right. <laughs> no. And so I just had this idea. What would happen if two people each week slept together and then critically reviewed each other's performance in a magazine? It was just like a concept. And I was like, what would happen? And I toyed around with that idea. I thought it would be a funny novel. And I tried to write it. And I failed. And I tried to write it again. And I failed. And then I married a novelist, which is a really great short um, shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> Jen really the novelist. And, um, and after Jen sold her last novel a couple of years ago, she asked what I thought her next project should be. And I said, you should write the book that I've been <laughs> kicking around because I'm never going to do it. And Jen said, well, why don't we do it together? And so began the project. I yeah, love that. Then okay. it became a partnership. <laughs> when you've told me this and when I read about your concept of the book, which is coming out, I haven't even read it yet. It's coming out in like... October October 16th. October 16th. October 16th, Mr. Nice Guy. Okay, Mr. Nice Guy. What I love about the concept is that I'm all, all for couples giving feedback. Like my the basis of my show is communication. Communication is a lubrication. Talk to each other about the sex life you're having. And yeah. I feel like much like you'd turn in a report at work and your boss would give you feedback on how to improve, we never do that with sex. So what I love about this concept and I'd love to hear about how you execute it as well is like that's how you improve. We never do that. We like assume things were good or did you orgasm? Did you not? That's the end of the conversation. So what do you get into in the book about the, because isn't it like they have sex and then they write it or they write about it and then would they talk and then improve upon it? Yeah, exactly. So every, um, basically they are working for the same magazine and so they're actually given assignments every week to explore various sexual acts, various sexual situations. So, um, you know, they're supposed to go out and have sex in a public place. They're supposed to use one of our favorite uh, scenes in the book involves a remote control vibrator. And of course, they don't know um, before they arrive at the hotel room, the designated hotel room, exactly what um, their assignment is going to be. Oh my God, I love this idea. Okay. (laughs) So they have to, they have to improvise on the fly but then it gets complicated because they're each writing a column about last night's sex and how it went and what, you know, was right about it and what was wrong about it. Um, yeah, like, like, they're, like, like a movie review. Right. Yeah. Like and it's a, a he really said, she said, and it's literally the he yeah. said, she said, which I always think is interesting. And I've, I thought, if you talk to two people who have sex, like, it's always very different accounts or of the relationship even or how things are going or even of a oh, meal. Oh, totally. So how – Yeah, and – yeah. So yeah, just to say, like, so it, the the way that this whole thing kind of gets kicked off in the book is that is that our one of our protagonists, he's this young guy, new to new to New York, um, has never really taken a woman home before, and picks up this woman at a bar and has what he thinks is the most amazing night of his life. And then a few weeks later, he opens the magazine, <laughs> his own magazine, to discover, lo and behold, he has slept with the sex columnist at his magazine, and she has torn him apart. <laughs> <laughs> and and thus thus begins the, the experiment, where he feels like he now has something to prove. Right, of course. I mean, any man, like not just even to get verbal feedback is hard for a man, but to get written feedback at the place of business <laughs> where you work. So what yes. was, I love it. I love this concept. What is the, um, what was the feedback? Or what was the first comment? Oh, the, the first, very first one. That skewered well, him. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you, well, it's so, a few points. Like what was a few yeah, highlights? Yeah, yeah. The way that she sets it up is that the, the, the sex columnist is a very woman about town kind of character. And so she's usually sleeping with these very kind of high powered dudes. Bro, bros. Bro, yeah, yeah, the finance bros of the world who at least feel quite highly about themselves. Exactly. And, least, um, I think so. And so 
she took him home, she says, because she wanted an experiment in what it was like to date or to sleep with a nice guy. And so she calls him nice guy, which is where the title of the book, Mr. Nice Guy, comes from. And she just she felt like he was too gentle at times. Too, you know what she she did a thing. I have to say, I don't know that I've told you this, John, that um, <laughs> that she criticizes him for doing something that I thought when I was dating I was doing too much. So so to back up the character, uh, his name is Lucas. Like just got out of a very long relationship with the only woman he's ever slept with, and now he's like out on the town and. Right. So he's still functioning a little bit like he he he's like like muscle memory. He's still sleeping with people like he's in a long relationship. And I and Jen as well, in fact, both were in very long, very relationships, long relationships, eight and nine years yeah. before we met each other. And so uh, there was a little bit of dating break between that and us meeting. But uh, but I definitely went through this thing where I I realized at, like almost sometimes during intimate moments with like new people after I'd after I'd gotten out of that long relationship that like I was being too relationshipy yeah. in the sex, you know, <laughs> just like in the way that I was, I don't know, like maybe trying to too gentle. Too, yeah, too, too no, tender yeah, or like too, loving. Too gazing. And, yeah. Too gazing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you so you wrote that into the column. Yeah, so, I wrote so that into so the Jason, column. So I basically <laughs> had her criticize me. <laughs> well, right. right. I'm just curious because I feel that that well, two things that you just said. Number one, one of the first tips I always give people is don't assume I give this to men often that your current partner wants what your last partner wants. It's a very typical error yeah. we make because we're like, first of all, when especially when you're learning, you haven't been with a lot of people, you're like, Well, she liked me to touch her clitoris this way like that I assume every woman wants and you don't know Mm -hmm. when you're young or in your 20s when you haven't as much experience that no no every woman's different you got to relearn and every man's different you have to relearn with every experience so that's a typical thing that happens I could see that so I'm just wondering I'm I'm assuming that things that came up were like some people would see that as what's so wrong with that but yeah well and in this case also there's a degree of um so you know he's he's fairly young he's 24 she's She's 30, and she's had a lot more experience than he has. Um, he has this idea of what really hot sex is, right? So he's being kind of performative in this way yes. that makes him come across as kind of silly almost. I mean, I think we have her compare him to like a grad student, like a writing grad student <laughs> who's like writing with all, with all this flowery prose. Right. That like that's kind of... Which was a real anxiety yeah. that I, I had. Yeah, like, no, I that's had what that I'm anxiety. saying. This is real. It's like... Yeah. yeah, you like you don't know. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, most of my day I spent I spent like in business journalism. So I sort of start to think about things in terms of business. But like, it's like you don't know what the market demands. You know, like if right? you get out of a long relationship, you know what that one person wants. You have no idea what is otherwise sought after or acceptable. Yeah, and it makes everything feel very scary. Right. That is the human experience of dating these yeah. days. That's why I almost want to, you know, they have those columns. I don't remember what mag. It was like Glamour or Cosmo. And they did a like, he goes on a date and she goes on a date. It was like a lunch date. And then they'd each write mm-hmm. about it. It was probably like 10 years ago. But I just always thought that was interesting because we've all had those experiences, I think, where we think it's great. And then the person doesn't call us back. So it's kind of that classic, or even if it's a date or, or sex. So what are you guys hoping that people learn from this? Or is it get from this book? Or just entertain? Is it? This fiction, or there's like points in there where we're gonna have some take. I'm already sure. taken away, so. <laughs> I mean, I okay. So I want to say first and foremost that you know we wrote Mr. Nice Guy to be fun, right? Like we want it to be a breezy read. We want you to miss your subway stop, like that <laughs> kind of thing. But you know, it really is about um, about honest communication and um, and how you talk to somebody about these intimate details in a way that draws them in instead of pushes them away um, because, you know, the relationship between our characters for a large portion of the book is very fraught, as you can imagine, especially because it's all happening out in public. I mean, these columns are in a national magazine. Um, but it's really kind of when they get to that deeper level of, of intimacy and start connecting, not just on a sexual level, but also on a relationship level and in some ways on a professional level, right. which that then translates into their sex right. life. And that actually kind of mirrors, well, in some ways, our relationship yeah, as, yeah, as a married so. couple that wrote a it's book together. It's so meta. Well, it's so meta. I was just going to turn it on you and say, how has this impacted your relationship? And what have you guys learned as a couple who you're both writers, uh, journalists, you live together, you're writing about intimacy, sex, relationships, and you're working together, like literally all of it is the same. So what have you <laughs> <Yeah>. learned? <laughs> how is this for yeah, your relationship? Stoop. 
I mean, I thought it was really good for our relationship. I, you know, so one of the things that really uh, that I really loved about Jen very early on in our relationship was how completely open you are about talking about sex and what you want and look for. Like, it was not a conversation that I had a lot with my previous with like my girlfriend of eight years. Right. We just didn't talk about it a lot. Most and people so don't. I wasn't. I wasn't used to talking about it, and it also it makes it feel embarrassing when you do want to talk about it if you're like not in a situation where it's it feels open and natural to talk about it. Right? You know, it's like you need to establish that that um, that it's intimacy. The yeah. intimacy. That's, not yeah. every couple's uh-huh. ready to be intimate at the same level, but that's what mm-hmm. I was saying. Like you got to get. People think it's just, I can never do it. We're not supposed to. Sex is supposed to be amazing without talking about it, which nothing on the planet really is. That's not a sustainable way to think about sex, that without work, it doesn't, without talking about it. But I think that's that's so true that you really, you probably weren't there because people don't even know that's on the table. Like, is it possible for us to have a really open, intimate relationship and improve our sex life by just talking? But you know that that's really the key to it. Oh, it it makes such a difference. And once you, once that is open, like once you're able to have that, those conversations, so many other things can happen. Like you can start really exploring and experimenting and wait, like, do you remember when uh, my, in my early, when we met, I worked at men's health and, um, and they would just (laughs) like companies would just send me random sex toys to show up at the office. And some really weird sex toys. So like they sent, they one time sent Jason, um, it, it almost looked like a beer cozy, but mm-hmm. but you instead oh, of sticking a beer in it, you stick yeah. your penis in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Jason, you're going to try this right now. Yeah. Like, I'm going to sit there and watch you try this because this is amazing. Right. No, you didn't just sit there and watch me try it. You, I you, participated. You she participated. She lent a helping <laughs> yeah. hand. Yeah, that's a good partner say, for you. Yes, that was that thing was I was not into that thing. That was a weird. I wasn't really into that thing either. Right, but it's fun. But see, that's the novelty that so many I think couples miss out on because they just have sex the same ways. And like, even that's a fun story, right? Like you might not have loved it, but you tried something new. So, totally. Yeah. And, and, and can I say, like, with this book, the, I mean, the great thing I think about creating a book where characters are regularly talking about sex is that it forces you to regularly also talk, talk, talk about sex. Exactly. Right. Just like yeah. this podcast. I always tell them like, you guys blame me. Listen to it with your partner and if I inspire yeah. something in you and you talk about it because it's hard. So if it's a it good jumping off point. for the conversation. Yes. I feel like the hardest thing, you know what the hardest thing for me is in talking about sex is like, feeling like I'm bringing it up out of nowhere. You know, like dinner's, dinner's done and then I, and then I'm like, you know what I like? You, know, it's like when you, you should just bring it up. It doesn't matter. Yes. Well, I know, but but it feels so – it just feels so abrupt. I know. I mean, that's the reason why I think that – like you said with the podcast or the book or yes. anything, like it just creates an opportunity where something can happen and then the follow-up can be a really useful conversation. Yeah, about exactly. But let me just tell you for your own relationship and for, for my listeners, which they've heard me say that there are – I get that it's abrupt. You can't be like, hey, great dinner, pass the salt, and maybe some more blowjobs would really help me at night, you know? <laughs> it's just hard. It's awkward. But to kind of know that talking about sex, it's best to do it outside the bedroom when you're in a relaxed environment. So maybe you're having brunch or you're going on a hike or you're even in the car. I always think when you're driving in the car, you're not making eye contact, but it's still intimate. And to mm. say, so babe, God, last night's sex was so hot. I've been thinking about it lately. Like, has there been anything on your mind you've been wanting to try? And then you just like literally like you start with the positive, what you like about it. And if you've specifically been saying, you know what, um, I I love your blowjobs. They feel so good. And lately I feel like we, it hasn't been happening as much. And I want to know what you want so we can both get our needs met. And then you're off and running. So it's yeah. kind of like just easing and even acknowledging like, I know this is might be weird. And you keep it light. It's not like we need to talk. Let's talk about because that just sets the tone for, you know, oh, my God, where's this going to go? But I think when couples remember to keep it a lighter tone, not accusatory, because I think when we talk about sex, it's often like a you people often you need to do this to me or I'm not getting this. But it's like you guys are on the same team. You both want great sex. So it's more like, what can we do together, babe? Not that masturbation sleeve, that didn't work, but maybe it'd be cool to blank. So you just, you play with it and then it gets easier and then it becomes fun for couples. It becomes like the thing you talk about. Like, what are we going to make for dinner? And like, what should we have sex this weekend? Like, we could try this because then you can also see how it improves, how it enhances your intimacy. And so I like anything that brings up the dialogue for this. So I think it's a... It's great that you guys did this book. So tell me about working together. Is this the first time you've done a project together? Because you're both successful writers in your own right, 
right? You're freelance yeah. so, for a lot of different place books, and you've written books. I know Jen, several books, mm-hmm. and yeah. So, um, so when Jason and I first started dating, I was actually um, finishing up a draft of my first novel, and I thought to myself, well. He's a writer. He's an editor. Um, he better like my writing. Otherwise, I don't think this relationship's going to go anywhere. Right. And so I did the dumbest thing that I possibly could have done, which was to basically hand him my manuscript and say, hey, take a look at this. Can you help me edit it? <laughs> which um, yeah, I, it's a, it was a make or break. It's a make or break. <laughs> yeah. That's going to go well or it's really not. That just shows you how naive I was. Like after being in an yeah. eight-year relationship. This yeah. You're like, just read all my okay deep dark. Do. Right. And then how was that for you, Jason? Was it good? Would you, were you like, oh, we got Actually, it was. I'm no, sure. No, no, no. It she's... was actually great. I mean, thank, like, thank God it was a good novel. Like, you know, it would have been really hard to fake. You know, it's like somebody, she, she like dropped this on me and it was just brutally terrible. Like, I don't know what I would have done. But we wouldn't be sitting here today probably. Um, but I... I found it was a really unique challenge where I had to think about how to edit this not as like – I'm not the gatekeeper for this. You know, like usually I'm a magazine editor. Usually I'm right. the gatekeeper for like the magazine's voice or whatever. But like this isn't my project. This is her project. So it it really taught me – like I had to figure out what my approach is. And my approach, uh, which I think is really useful for kind of anything in relationships, was to – Instead of say this doesn't work, this doesn't work, I, I started circling things that I thought, well, frankly, didn't work and say, <laughs> um, and say like, what, what were you going for here? Right. Like, what was I your intention? That's such a good way. That's was. such a good way to give feedback. Yeah. 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 And then, and then we could talk through like, okay, now I get it. Like, here's why I think this doesn't achieve that. But I think that if we did this or this, or like, you should think about that, then it would achieve what you're going for. Like, as long, I think that if, as long as you, when you're working with somebody, communicate to them that you are on board with their intentions yeah. and all you want to, you want to make sure that you are, you are bringing them to the place where their intentions are like fully achieved. Right. Then they are they're really on board with That's you. really healthy. Well, it sounds like you guys have really good communication then. Because I think always even a relationship when someone does something, it's so easy to react and say, this is wrong, this isn't for me. And just to be like, what kind of feedback are you looking for now? Like if someone, you know, or yeah, what, what was your goal here? And just to kind of use that language, it's just, it's so easy to go off, this is bad, this is bad. But to be like, well, let me know what would help you now. What kind of feedback would be, you know? Yeah. But you already knew that. So that's good. That's how I didn't. I think I figured it out. I mean, you know, I don't. It, I think it's really hard to tell someone to do that, and then, then they can just execute it. Right? You almost sort of need to be in this this moment. Like the stakes were quite high. I we were. It was an <laughs> early long, relationship. Yeah. How long oh, have I you guys know. been together? Oh, well, well we, we will have been. We, we have our seven-year oh. wedding anniversary coming up in October, actually, two weeks after the book comes out. Oh, great. Um, and we've known each other. So we met in early 2009. 2009. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's good. That's the seven-year rich. Is that what it would be? Or eight or nine? Where, where are we going <laughs> yeah. now? What year is it? Okay. So, Jason, you're the editor-in-chief and editor for Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah, editor-in-chief right? Entrepreneur. Which I'm a uh-huh. fan of, being Thank an you. entrepreneur myself. Yeah, yes. definitely. So you, so you guys, how did you guys meet? Because you're both like writers in New York. You just seem like this fun, cool couple. <laughs> Uh, we met on OKCupid. Okay, okay. Um, which and this was pre Tinder, like pre swiping. Thank dating, God. So okay, we've had no experience with that. And so you know, we as writers, this was back when you know you people actually took a lot of care with their profiles because like yeah. you had to write in all of this stuff. And so, um, so Jason actually searched for Jewish journalists, <laughs> and then my name popped up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was basically, you know, I had done after a, after a nine year relationship, I wanted an experience of da- just like lots of dating. So I was dating, I was going on OKCupid and basically saying yes to anybody. <laughs> like I just wanted to go out and meet right. and just experience. Which is and- actually healthy after a nine year relationship. To oh, kind yeah. of figure out, super you know, healthy. yeah. And I did the yeah. same, I did the same thing. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to get into a, you know, in fact, the, the very, the, when, the first time that I attempted to write Mr. Nice Guy, it opens with a character sitting down and writing a letter to his future self in which he reminds himself not to get into a relationship too fast. Um, which was really me. Like I was basically, I was just doing that myself. Very meta. And, um, and so, but after, after a while of that, it just got really boring, you know, going on one, two, three max dates and then losing interest in someone. And so I decided, I should find someone who I like. I'm ready to at least meet and date someone who I have something in common with, um, and maybe it could go somewhere. I don't know if I was ready for like the relationship that would turn into marriage. 
that would turn into a book partnership. But yeah, he <laughs> met me a little too soon, I think. Yeah, right? I, it was only five months. I definitely was not – that was not on the timeline. Um, but I did want someone who I, I had something in common with. So I just typed in Jewish journalist. And I'm not even – I really <laughs> even care about Judaism. No, he um, I don't. But I just – I was like background. I don't know. I just – I don't know. It, it helps. It, no, I'm Jewish. It, it, it can yeah. just help sometimes. It kind of weeds you yeah. the riffraff. You're like, well, we're Jewish, so we got that. And your writers, so that works. I totally understand that. Um, okay, so are you guys? Um, so how has it impacted your uh, your sex life? How is your sex life going? If you have any questions for me, I'm available. <laughs> well, okay, so the our sex life is okay. I'm I am um, almost 18 weeks pregnant oh, at the moment. Congratulations! <laughs> so, thank you. So so in all honesty, our sex life has been a little bit slower yeah, it than down a bit. oh my god, than, totally than, makes than sense. Usual because. Um, the first trimester in particular was like pretty bad. Yeah. Um, just feeling it's, it's hard to be in the mood when you feel like you're um, seasick 24 hours. Well, yeah. You day. and most pregnant women on the planet. So it makes sense. Go yeah. easy on yourself. Um, Even though the but, people um, say differently, it takes not every woman is in the mood for sex when they're pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> but so now that I'm like getting more into the swing of the second semester, second semester, second trimester <laughs> and feeling and, and feeling a little bit better. Now we, we've started to pick things up a little bit and um, we really, I think, have to make the most of it before we hit the third trimester mm. when then everything becomes much more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cumbersome. Logistically. <laughs> That's exciting though. So then your book comes out and then you have, um, do you, and you have plans for that? You guys doing a book tour? I, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, my joke is always like, unless your name is Malcolm Gladwell, you don't go on book Yeah. Club. But, um, it's like press and media. As well. yeah, oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, okay. You guys are, got it. You got your hands full. Yeah. And I know you yeah, guys also, you guys also work together. Maybe it was you, Jason, that you help people like figure out entrepreneur, like figure out press yeah. and how to get press and all that. And then Jen, you also write for everyone, right? So yeah, I write for the New York <laughs> Times, you guys can, the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Places, you guys are um, power couple. I love it. Uh, that's me. <laughs> no, but you guys are going to get like it out think, there. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. have... No, like, we like to think of ourselves as a power couple. Yeah. We're, but when you're in the power couple, you never saying? feel like you are. No one's like, we're a power no. couple. But I'm seeing it. So it's okay. You don't, you don't <laughs> have to say that. So about the book, do you guys... How do you feel like it reflects kind of today's current dating and society, what's going on with dating and sex and stuff? Is there any of that in there that you think was like, oh, it's interesting that this has changed or was there anything that you kind of learned through it? in writing of kind of what our current views on it and how people are dating and in life. And Well, one thing that, that was really important to me when we were writing it was to try and um, take a it, – so it's a romantic comedy, but I really wanted to take a different approach. So it's not the single woman in New York who's pining after the guy. Thanks. It's actually the reverse. She's the one who has all the experience – knows what she wants and goes out and gets it. And um, our our naive but very ambitious young Lucas is the one who really needs the education. Right. Um, and of course, she you know it turns out that Carmen, um, our seasoned sex columnist, has plenty to learn. But a lot of it is really about the women in the book teaching <laughs> teaching the men what's up. Which I think is realistic um, and not just sex. Sometimes with emotional regulation and understanding feelings. And I think that that's something that we don't talk about enough. That we all need to help each other. Absolutely. Right? Um, the other thing, though, is that there, you know, because, so the book is set, it's, it's set in the world of New York City magazines. Um, and, you know, this was a world that Jason and I have, have lived in for, for a long time. But for me, especially, like, being a woman in magazines and in, in a lot of ways, like, seeing how women's work is sidelined and kind of packaged in a way for what women, quote unquote, want to read. Um, so our sex columnist, in some ways, like, has greater ambitions um, and, you know, wants to be using her mind as much as her body right. and has really through the book has to learn how to learns how to assert herself um, in that kind of power dynamic of this magazine where, you know, she has been sidelined to a certain right. extent. So, so that's kind of like how she's growing. And how did you yeah. grow? So that sounds like that's been your own journey as well. So how how has been your journey with that? It's really about advocating for yourself. Yeah. And, and, and learning to, to speak up. And that's something that... I think, I think in, in a lot of ways just takes time. You know, I'm 38 now. I, you know, moved to, to New York when I was in my early 20s. There's just a, I think there's a confidence that just comes with like every, every time you face a setback, you just try to take 
another step forward. Yep. And I, I recently um, was working on a piece, and the the magazine, for a variety of reasons, was thinking about killing it. And I had to get on the phone with the editor in chief and argue. <laughs> I had to argue my way back into them keeping the piece, and I was successful. And I couldn't right. believe that I had that I that that was something that I did. That I did it and I was successful and that was shocking to me, but also really But at some point empowering. at some point in the past you may not have even thought that was an option. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. No, good for you. And I think that's an inspiring for a lot of people because we just think, oh, and especially in magazines, I know that her world. I haven't lived in it, but I have a lot of friends in New York and it's cutthroat. I mean, it really is. And it is a lot of men in charge. I think things are changing, but it is a lot of men editor in chief. Not not Jason's lovely, I'm sure, with all the women he works with, but I, I understand that. I am indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey Emma, can I can I take a can we take can we take a hard left here? In yeah. that I um you had asked, do we have any questions for you? And I was I was thinking, as Jen was talking, I was thinking. So so here I'm gonna post I'm gonna post something to you. Jen's like, what Uh-oh. is gonna come out of this? Um but I'll be very interested in what she has to say. So um one of the great things I think in communication about about sex is asking like is there something you want to do that you're not we're not doing or some you know some something or other and um Jen asks me that from time to time and uh like you know is there is there something you you want or something we could do better and um I have to say I really struggle with like an answer to that No, question. that's so common. You know, I it, get it. It makes me feel like, in, 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 not the question, like I love the question. The question is great. That I don't have an answer makes me feel like I'm too, like I'm missing something. Too, like I'm too basic. Right. Like, I'm too, like a vanilla I mean? as they would use it. Right. Yeah. I love that you're saying this because, okay, this is a good, is that, that's such a good question because I can tell you guys kind of how to, to figure it out because I get that. Like I get like, you're happy with your sex. You're sat- satisfied. You're satisfied. So you're like, I'm not sitting here thinking about like having an orgy next Saturday, if that's what you mean, or having, you know, right. like a, some people are threesomes, or I, I'm not look, thinking that you need to dress up and we need a stripper pole in the living room or whatever people fantasize about, which is totally normal. You're satisfied. You're happy. Um, do you ever ask Jen, do you ever have stuff that you would want to try is my next part of it. Is there stuff that you've shared? I I, I mean, I do, though, I'll, I'll be honest, um, I usually do after you ask me. Like, you're definitely, <laughs> right. you definitely are better at initiating that question. But then I ask, um, and I actually don't know, if, do you have an answer? Do you have answers? I can sometimes think, you've said, sometimes I you've said some things. things. Yeah. Oh, see, so that's <laughs> one reason. So this right. is a really good lesson. So should, you're probably asking because you would like, there probably are things on Jen's mind that she'd like to try. And it's probably not even saying that you're a bad lover. Like, she's probably just like, oh, it would be nice to, this is just, exa- I don't know you guys, but she might be like, remember <laughs> when we used to make out, just like for, taking sex off the table and used to like go down on me or maybe we have do more so- massages and, and more making out because couples stop making out after like the first year. Or maybe she, you mm. know, wants more vacation sex or a foot massage or wants to be tied up. Who knows, right? There could be things like that. So I think it's interesting that um, for couples to kind of be open and to kind of have it go both ways, like if you're not sure what to try, Jen might have some ideas and then she could share them with you. And then rather than just dropping it and saying like, okay, like I would love you to, what would be a good thing? Um, to, I'd like to be blindfolded during sex. Maybe that's what she's been thinking about. And you might be like, great. And then you're thinking, now what? Do I get a blindfold? Do I use a necktie? Do I, wh- wh- how do you do that? So I think yeah. sometimes we, we just say these things and we walk away. So the important thing is for you guys to together to kind of hear these ideas, maybe even whiteboard it, do a document. What could be cool? What could be interesting? And then you talk about how it would, would go down. Like, what does that actually look like? To kind of help Jen with some of her ideas. So you're not like, what does that mean? But as far as you, Jason, I think for couples to learn that there are some cool things. Like, I think... There's some books like that you could read together, erotica, watching porn, like Erica Lust makes some really cool female friendly porn, like from the female gaze. Um, If you guys ever do that and it it can be inspiration, you can watch and be like, oh my God, that's really hot. I forgot that I loved it when you slowly undressed me or when you, you know, put me against the wall and held me up during anything. We took Mm -hmm. baths together. You could just get inspired. And they maybe you're like, I never thought about that, but that actually would be hot. You, you need, need to menu. know what's available. Exactly. <laughs> right. And if you're not someone who's in that world or thinking about it all the time, it makes sense that you wouldn't know. I hear from people all the time. They're like, Emily, you talk about fantasies. You talk about what an important part it is about our sex life, but I don't actually fantasize that much, which is fine. Yeah. So I'm thinking, and people listen, that's why I think a lot of couples listen to my podcast. Like I, they're like, we went on a road trip for eight hours and I get these emails all the time and we listened. And so it's kind of like a third party that is helping you or a book like a book about sex I have a book called hot and not like plug it I wrote this book five years ago but couples like it it's called hot sex <laughs> over 200 things you could try tonight and you just like open it up and any page it's like 
<laughs> you know, use whipped cream or like have sex outdoors. So just you might need a little bit more of information and then maybe you'd be like, well, oh, that could be interesting. It even toys, you guys, I'm telling you, even if you're having orgasms and amazing sex, the thing about sex toys is that it's just like that variety. It's something different than the same sex you're having. And that's the key with toys or anything else is because after time, sex is going to become stale. It's going to become rote. Like like the same workout every day will no longer challenge your muscles in the same way. So working mm-hmm. out, it's like something new in the bedroom. You get vibrations feel great because your bodies don't vibrate. So it's different or dildos or a tie, a necktie around your eyes. So it's like, that's why these things are cool because it's just something new. And when we have yeah. these conversations, it's not that anything's wrong when Jen asks you that question. It's more like, let's just keep making it interesting and keep have variety so we still want to keep doing it. Not that you, you know what I'm saying? It's right, right, Jen? We can, uh, we can enact some of the scenes from Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> we well, can right. also bust out. You know, we have, you know, like I said, we, we, I collected all that stuff when I worked at Men's Health a million years ago. We have a lot of that stuff. It's like. Where is it? Oh, I, I know where it is. It's in like the cabinet next to the <laughs> can bed. Can our son get into it? <laughs> uh, no, I, oh, actually, probably. Yeah, we should probably move it. Yeah, and- <laughs> no, this is the thing though. One toy could be cool, like a vibrator or like a massage candle. They're so cool, like a. You, you, you have a massage candle and then you blow it out. It's like, it's a regular candle and then you pour it on your partner. It's like warm coconut oil and it feels great. Mm. So that could just be, you do that five minutes, whatever items you have in your closet would be cool, but one thing. Yeah. So there you go. That could be helpful. <laughs> right? <laughs> not that, not, not that there's a problem. I'm just saying, that's fun. <laughs> um, well, I'm really excited to, to, to meet you guys and to talk to you about your book because I can't wait to read it. And was there anything, well, and maybe there was something in Mr. Nice Guy that you subliminally, one of you, uh, pre-consciously put in there that could be fun to try. <laughs> yeah, what did we, well, we haven't tried a remote control vibrator. That, oh. There's a big scene. Yeah. I don't know, would you, uh, that is quite a thing. That's my favorite scene in the book. <gasps> yeah. Hint. Right, well, that, <laughs> oh my God, there you go. I actually want to send you one. Did we get this yet? <laughs> so listen, so we vibe, right, the jive. So we vibe is, um, I love, you guys know we vibe toys? They make a. They're one of my favorite I, I've heard products. Of the I don't know that we know. And so now yeah. they're all waterproof and rechargeable, and you can use the, control them with your phone. So you could be wearing it when you go out or in the kitchen. Doesn't matter. And then you have the control, Jason, on your phone. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And you can just be like, it's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to turn off. It's yeah. It's called the Jive, and then they have a new one coming out, the Moxie, which has not been released yet. But we will send you something. Ooh, Thank you. Exciting. Yes. All right. I want everyone to have it. I want to make dreams come true. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> thank you for your time. I'm excited. Tell me how people can find you, find your book and all of your social stuff, social media, or what the best call to action here. Mm, yeah. What is the best call to action? I mean, I guess the best call to action is to go to wherever it is that you buy books and find Mr. Nice Guy. Um, it's called Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> so you can see we're real uh, marketers here. And um, I'm very active on social. Uh, Jen is, is not so much. So I'll just say I'm uh, at Hey Pfeiffer, which is H-E-Y-F-E-I-F-E-R on Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, my day job, as you said, entrepreneur. So I do a lot of like motivation stuff and focus and time management and, you know, all the things that people need, not just if you're running a business, but just if you're like out there making things happen in the world. I'll put all this in the show notes and your, um, your links in the book. And you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Good luck with the launch. This is really, yeah, really fun. Thanks. Okay, Mr. Nice Guy, you guys, everyone check it out. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Give a shout out to our sponsors. Hi, sponsors. We love you. I hope you love them too. And we come back, I'm going to answer your emails. The Big O. Everyone's always asked me about it. How do I get there? Or I've never had one. Or I can only have it on my own. Some people are like, I can only have it when I'm sleeping, Emily. That is actually a thing. You guys, but here's the thing about sex. It's not so linear and it shouldn't only be focused on orgasms. What about your pleasure? What about intimacy? What about finding other ways to feel good? I just want you all to think about sex differently because there's a lot more to healthy sex than just orgasms. However, I'm not saying orgasms aren't amazing. I mean, they are. You see, I can't guarantee you orgasms, but I can give you some tools to help you along the way. Thanks to adamandeve.com because they want to get you there too with their Big O Kit. It comes with a great little mini vibe plus a special Climax gel that gets everything extra tingly. It's a great combo for some amazing pleasure. But also, they want to give you more than the Big O. You can also get 50% off one of your items and free shipping. I mean, have you been to adamandeve.com? They have so many toys, like literally every product you'd want, they have. 
All you have to do is use code EMILY at checkout and all the above can be shipped discreetly to your door. So while I can't promise you an orgasm, I can promise you a whole lot of pleasure and at least one big O. So check it out. You'll get 50% off almost any single item, free shipping, and the free big O kit. Head over to adamandeve.com and enter code EMILY at checkout. Okay, guys, on to your emails. I love answering your questions. It's so fun, you guys. Thanks for sending so many great ones. If you want a question answered on the show, text Ask Emily, all one word, to 797979, or you can go to my website, sexwithemily.com, click the Ask Emily tab, and include your name, your age, where you live, and how you listen to the show. Okay, this is from Keith28 in Australia. Dear Emily, I love your podcast. I've been with my girlfriend for five years and our sex life is lacking to say the least. I'm lucky if we have sex once a fortnight. God, I love saying fortnight. That means like every two weeks, guys. Uh, Sometimes I go longer than that. She won't try new things, i.e. won't do anal, won't get blowjobs or handjobs and doesn't even touch me intimately. When we do have sex, it's always me who initiates it and I'm always the one who does all the work. There's absolutely no spontaneity and it comes across to me that sex is a chore to her, not pleasure. I've tried a few different vibrators for her and I always make sure she's pleasured. She's pressuring me to have kids and get married, but the lackluster sex life is a massive issue for me. Please help. Okay, Keith, I'm going to help you here. So I, I read through this and, and I, first of all, good for you for thinking about your sex life and considering the importance of your sex life before you get married. So important to do that, you guys. But I hear this and I think, you know what, a lot of this is about what you're not getting, Keith, right? You know, you're not getting, you know, anal and she's not doing all these things for you, which I totally get. But I want to know, what does she need from you? So it sounds to me like you guys really just need to start communicating and talking about stuff with her. You know, have an open, honest discussion, have a dialogue so you guys are on the same page. And I think of it as kind of creating your sexual roadmap together. So I'm not even sure what she wants. She may have never talked about sex before. It sounds like, you know, you guys are in love and she's thinking about marriage. So obviously she wants to be with you. So I want you to understand the difference here. She clearly wants to spend the rest of her life with you, but she just might not have enough experience that when you present a vibrator, put all these demands on her, she doesn't know what to do with it because she doesn't have experience taking her sex life to these different levels. You know, once you have the talk with her and let her know in a very like, neutral environment, not accusatory, not saying you never do this and you never that, but that you love her and that, you know, sex is important to you and sex is important for a healthy relationship and you want it to be an important part of your relationship, but you want to get on the same page about sex. So I'm curious, do you know if she masturbates? Do you know, you know, in the beginning, usually I get these emails from people and they're like, sex was amazing in the beginning. I'm going to assume that it was great in the beginning, or at least you guys were really connected. So I think just slowing things down, I don't think she's out to get you. I think again, it comes down to out of the bedroom. What do you want? What's interesting to you? Does she masturbate? Does she have orgasms on her own? Does she think about sex? There's a lot of reasons why Maybe she doesn't. It could be the way she was brought up. There could be some taboos. She might be on medication. She might be really stressed out. I mean, there's reasons why it's not as comfortable for her. She might not be getting as much enjoyment. So once we kind of start asking questions to her and having a real conversation, you might find out about her sexual history, you know, where she's at now, where she's been. And then this way you can kind of together start to figure out like your sexual roadmap. What is both going to be interesting to both of you to have a long, happy sex life together? So just start having that conversation before we jump to any conclusions about what kind of lover and what kind of partner she could be. Thanks for the email, Keith. This is from Julie, 25 in Ohio. Hey, Emily, I'm in desperate need of some advice. My husband and I have been together for four years and married for two. We met on Tinder during college. He was very experienced sexually compared to me when we first got together. He's had threesomes with married couples and had an active FetLife account when we first started talking. I never had issues with any of his requests or suggestions in the bedroom. I was down for anything and the sex was great. Then I found out he cheated on me the night before we graduated. I ended up forgiving him, but I've been really insecure, especially in the bedroom ever since. Since we've been married, I've been weird about him watching porn because he was addicted to it and I feel like it might lead him to cheat on me again. 
Recently, I found out that he bought a cheap phone to watch porn on behind my back. I'm not sure what to do. I love him so much. I know he loves me, but I'm afraid that his dishonesty will eventually come between us. Any advice you have would be so appreciated. I love listening to your podcast on my daily commute. Okay, Julie, thanks for your email here. I think that there, let's unpack this for a second. Okay, first thing, I think the biggest issue here is the cheating, okay? When we have unresolved issues in a relationship, especially cheating, I mean, that's the one that's really challenging for couples to get beyond because building trust, rebuilding trust, takes a lot of time and a lot of work. And so it sounds like maybe you guys haven't done that yet, and it can mean going to see a therapist. I mean, you just might need someone to help you guys tease out what happened and then build that strength and that solid ground again to rebuild. You know, if you guys have been together now four years, I'm assuming graduation, you were 21, 22. I mean, four years since you were married or three years, and it's still in your mind. I can imagine that it's coming out in other areas of your relationship. Maybe it has you feeling a little passive aggressive and, and obviously you have distrust. So maybe you've told him that you don't think his porn watching is okay, which leads me to his addiction of porn. I want to know why, how you know he's addicted. Did he tell you he's addicted? Do you think he's addicted to porn? Because addiction is a real thing. But just to explain to you the difference between addiction and just someone who watches porn, when someone's addicted to porn, there's consequences. It means like he lost his job. He can no longer have great sex with you. You know, he's, um, you know, really it just takes over your life and there's a serious consequence and that's when you got to get help. But watching porn is actually part of a healthy sex life. And so I understand that can kind of be confusing sometimes. I've, I've said this, but I, when I was younger, in my early 20s, I was really confused by my partner watching porn because I was like, aren't we having great sex? Why do you need porn? But porn really is a healthy expression. It's separate from you. So when we get down to the issues here, I feel like there just has to be some some talking here. He probably feels like he has to hide porn from you because he probably maybe has shame if he did have addiction and he feels like he's you know going back on whatever promises he made if he was like in a 12-step program around it he maybe he shouldn't be watching porn but if it's really just to hide it from you because maybe you've made side comments or you know talked about your disdain of porn he has no choice but to hide it and so this is a problem i actually hear this from a lot of men who feel like and and who are married or dating that they have to hide it from their girlfriends and and it's just this, I just want everyone to understand that it really can be healthy and that people are going to masturbate in a relationship, out of a relationship, throughout a relationship. And it really has no, you know, when they're single. So it just really doesn't have any in bearing on you and his feelings for you. So I think, again, all of this goes back to the trust. Because I don't love, sweetie, that it's making you feel more insecure in the bedroom, which I understand. It's really hard to be, you know, when we feel really safe with a guy or with anyone with our partner, when we feel trusting and, and we feel in a good place, we can have better sex. But when you're when there's distrust, you probably feel like you can't bring your full self to the bedroom because you've got all these things in your head and you're like obsessing about the cheating and the dishonesty. And so now in a way, by having this rift between you, it's really hard for you guys to come together literally and physically in all these other areas. So I think you need to just talk to him about it and say, I still don't have trust in this. It's nothing that he, you know, he might have been a saint the last four years. We don't know. So I think you guys are married and it would be worthwhile for you guys to go into therapy. I think it might just take a few sessions um, to kind of get to the bottom of this so you can really tease it out because the sex and I mean the porn and the cheating is something that I don't believe you're going to be able to get past on your own. And let me just say this. I'm so happy you emailed me now about this because Julie, I do not want you to spend another month, a week, another year with him when you're feeling this way because whenever you when you're not treating something like this like the dishonesty it's just going to fester and it's just going to get worse and become a bigger problem so i think talking to him about it letting him know how important it is and how much you want to work on your relationship and the great thing about couples therapy is that you're going to learn some really good tools that's going to serve you for the rest of your relationship the rest of your marriage and so that's what i say about this situation julie so don't be afraid to make that call to talk to him about it and get some therapy this is from Kevin, 63 in Washington. Hey, Emily, I'm looking for recommendations for a reasonably priced penis vibrator. Maybe something like a cup or a sleeve that stimulates the frenulum spot at the back of the head for a hands-free orgasm. I can't spend a lot of money, but I don't want something that will cause injury or pain either. Something that's easily clean and maintained. Thanks. 
Okay, Kevin, first of all, and to all my listeners, I will never, ever recommend any toys that will cause you pain or injury. We've tried every single toy that we talk about, every product. We only work with the best brands and the best sponsors. So just know if I talk about it, you're going to be fine with it. There won't be any risks. Okay, so here's my suggestions. You guys, do you guys all know about the frenulum, by the way? It's kind of like the male clitoris, if you will. It's the most sensitive spot of the penis on the underside right beneath the tip. So where the the tip he meets the shaft. That's where the frenulum lives and it's a happy spot. So think of it as your new best friend if you weren't quite sure what it was. Okay, this is what I recommend. The Hot Octopus Pulse 3 Solo or Duo. It's called a vibrator, which is genius, but it actually oscillates. So it's not vibrating, which is a pretty great sensation. I know the founder of the company and I adore him. And when he, I saw him bring this around to shows years ago and now it's he created this great toy for men. I've never seen anything else like it. You put it on the head of your penis, kind of like a sleeve, but it doesn't fully go around your penis and you let it do its thing and there's no movement necessary and this has been getting rave reviews from all the penises that I know and some I don't know. Um, the WeVibe Pivot Penis Ring. You can use it with lube and use it as a stroker. This toy, you guys, I'm obsessed with the Pivot because it's a penis ring. It's a great clitoral vibe um, and you can use it as a stroker. It's a really cool toy and you can use it with an app. So you could really do it hands-free. And then there's the um, Fleshlight Quick Shot, which is different than other Fleshlights. It's actually a sleeve that's open-ended, has easy cleanup, and it's made of their patented super skin material that has to look and feel like the real deal. And also just use any finger vibe and you can use it while you masturbate. There's some really nice, even battery-operated, um, screaming oh, makes some really um, reasonably priced toys that are disposable, some of them, and um, I like them, and they're a lower price point. So those are some options there. Let me know what you like. I'd love to hear, Kevin. I'd love to know which one you you choose and how it feels to you. So let us know. Thanks for that question, Kevin. This is from D22, Pennsylvania. Hey, Emily, I haven't had that many sexual partners, but I enjoy sex and love to masturbate, as most of us do. Often when I'm fantasizing, I imagine someone talking dirty to me in a derogatory term, such as dirty slut or whore. I haven't brought up this fantasy to any of my sexual partners because I'm embarrassed. If anyone said things like this to me in real life, I'd be so offended, but in bed, I find it hot. I'm just wondering why this is such a turn on for me and if this is normal. Thanks, Dee. I love this question because I think we all kind of struggle with these things that we fantasize about or the things we desire in bed and we think, I would never want anyone to like pull my hair in real life or just come up and spank me, but in bed, that's so hot. Well, that's why, you guys, it's like I say, the the brain is the largest sex organ. And what I mean by that is the thoughts in our mind is really what gets us turned on. So it also, when someone dirty talks to you, it kind of activates those regions in your brain while your body is getting stimulated. So it's all connected. So like the more, think of it this way, the more input we have like into our brain or things that we see or feel or touch is gonna turn us on even more. So that's why you're really into those words. So basically you're talking about dirty talk, but this is more like humiliation, which is kind of a little bit of S&M and it's a little more like, like there's some people who would really just want someone to say like, you know, I'm going to F you so hard. But then when you go into like slut and whore, people might like dirty talk and might not like that range. But again, it's just about humiliation, which means that we just have things that are kind of taboo in real life, but in the bedroom, we can eroticize it and it just really turns us on. And, and again, it's okay that you'd find it hurtful in real life and it would turn you on in the bedroom. So it's really just the way our brain processes the information. So that's why, I mean, that's why you feel that way. It's completely like so commonplace. I know you haven't talked to your partners about it yet, and I think that the way you would do it is just be like, I think it'd be like when you're making out and be like, I think it'd be really hot if you, you know, told me what you want to do to me. And then you could say like, so my little slut, like you could lead them on and say, so I'm your little slut. And then they might get the hint and be like, yeah, you're my dirty little slut. That's how it can work. A leading, <laughs> it's kind of like a leading question, but it's like a leading dirty talk phrase. And then you ask the question and he'll give it back to you. So there's nothing wrong with you, D. That's why these things turn us on, you guys. Our brain, remember, it's the largest sex organ, and that's why I'm so concerned and so focused on all of you getting out of your heads during sex. Unless you're thinking dirty thoughts, I'm cool with that. But when you're thinking thoughts that kind of take you out of the moment, so when you're thinking anxious thoughts and you're wondering how you look in bed and you're wondering how you're performing, that's why all the brain, all the, all the energy is rushing to those thoughts and away from your genitals. So that's why those thoughts are more destructive, but thinking sexy thoughts 
and dirty talk and all that is a way to keep our brains focused on the matter at hand, which is having amazing sex. This is from Pete, 34, in Chicago. Hey, Emily, I love your podcast, and I've been listening for a while now. My therapist recommended it to me. I love that. I'm 34 years old and lost my virginity to my now fiancé when I was 32. I'm really new at sex and am insecure about sexual performance, my lack of experiences relative to my fiancé's colorful past, and my penis, which is not circumcised. In the beginning of our relationship, my fiancé went from saying how she's never been as horny with anyone until me. However, after months of dating, she made a comment about me being a unicorn without a horn. Or after coming says, that's small, referencing my flaccid penis. She asked me why I was bugged by what she said, and now I'm insecure about not being at par with her past lovers. I've seen a urologist who says I'm over the five-inch average, and I'm fine, but if I want to increase size, I can try a stretching device that'll add an inch after four to six months. I'm seriously considering trying this or something else. I feel like this may even spice up our sex lives again. She loved when I tried Cialis. What should I do? By the way, you and Ben are awesome together. Ooh, okay, Pete. Pete, Pete, Pete. Um... Let's break this down. I, ah, first of all, there's a lot here. I, I don't love the way your fiance is talking to you. I gotta say, even one of these statements are, are, are upsetting to me. So she calls you a unicorn. She's referring to your uncircumcised penis, which by the way, most of the world has uncircumcised penises and there's nothing wrong with them at all. And the fact that she says, you know, you have a small flaccid penis. I'm high, who doesn't? I've never seen like a large flaccid penis. Those words have never been spoken. So I feel like there's some kind of weird manipulation going on or just negativity. And I just, I don't like it. And finally, I'm going to go back to these, but your urologist, I'm sorry, are you sure he's a certified urologist? Because I've never, ever, ever heard of anything that can stretch your penis an inch. This this doesn't exist. It's like the back of one of those magazines they used to sell in like the 80s. Like I literally have no idea. So this is all misinformation. Okay. So you can't stretch your penis and your penis is, is, is totally fine. And I'm concerned about all these messages. Now, I don't like that she's making you more insecure and it's making you question yourself. And so it's really hard to dig yourself out of this space. I really would love you to kind of stick up for yourself here. And explain to her why it made you feel bad. Like it was insulting to say that, you know, you're st- any man or woman, you're saying something about their body or their, you know, their, especially their genitals is going to hurt. And I also have a question for you. Is she doing this in other areas of your life? Are there other ways that she's not making you feel great, belittling you and impacting your self-confidence? Because it's it's interesting to me that she wouldn't find this to be offensive, this language, and that you actually have to explain to her why telling a guy, you know, their, their flaccid penis is small. Like, you know, if you told a woman she had small breasts, that would not feel great to me. So I feel like I need you to kind of really pay attention to what's going on in this relationship because I want you to be in a healthy place. And here's the other thing I want to say about experience, Okay. I hear this a lot from people, and we had an email earlier about experience. Remember that um, experiences is very different than experience, right? So she might have had a ton of lovers, but it doesn't mean that she necessarily has experience being in a healthy sexual relationship. And a healthy sexual relationship is about communicating, you know, about your wants and needs and taking each other into consideration about your desires and going really deep about like, what does great sex look to you, trying new things, adding variety and making sure that you're both satisfied and happy it does not include like shooting each other down and you know saying things that are hurtful so I just want to say there that yes I understand you came in as a virgin but this experience thing just because she's had a lot of lovers I feel like you guys are at an even playing field right now where you know you're not married yet she's still your fiance so I would say this should be um, one of the most important things you focus on making sure you can get your sex life on track so it feels good to both of you, okay? I want you to put, you know, I want you to also consider your needs as well. So we've got the fact that your urologist is telling you things that are not true and your fiance isn't being that great to you when it comes to giving you feedback about sex or even making you, building you up because we all need that. I'm telling you, it just takes one comment and it can wreak havoc on your sex life. 
And it just sounds to me like she does need to learn a little bit more about being compassionate and sensitive to your needs. There's also some positions and angles that allow for deeper penetration and a fuller feeling that, that will feel great to both of you. You can um, bolster her hips up with a pillow. You know, you can use one or two pillows in missionary or doggy style. I love using pillows in basically any sex position, either under my back or my lover's back. It just changes things up. I mean, sometimes you want a pillow, sometimes you don't, but it's kind of like another way to, to try out positions so and to see what angles work because we're all different, right? All of our bodies are shaped differently. So I would say, Play with that. Play with the way that you do missionary or doggy style. My biggest concern here is not about your penis. I think you're perfectly fine. Your penis is great. And um, I just want you guys to have some healthy communications around sex so you continue to feel great together and have a happy life. Happy sex life. Happy life. Thank you so much for your email, Pete. All right, everyone. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Check me out all on social media. It's at Sex with Emily, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Thanks to my amazing team, Ken, Sarah, producer, Jamie, and Michael. Was it good for you? Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com. Something magical happened this year. The magic wand turned 50. Just think about how much the world has changed over the last 50 years. I'm talking disco to dubstep, payphones to cell phones. I mean, do you realize the magic wand came out a full year before we landed on the moon? That blows my mind. There's a reason the magic wand has stood the test of time. It's just that freaking good. Time Magazine named it one of the most iconic inventions. Cosmo calls it the little black dress of vibrators. In other words, it's the one vibrator you need to have. In case you haven't seen one at any point over the last 50 years, the magic wand is a full-size massager. And yes, it works great on the shoulders too. For most women, its power and size make it the ultimate clitoral vibe. I call it the sure thing. And because things get better over time, you now have two models to choose from. The original plug-in version for constant power or the variable speed rechargeable version for cordless convenience. I've been obsessed with my magic wand since before I started the show. I even had my nightstand modified so I could keep it plugged in from inside the drawer. That's how much I love a magic wand. If you haven't tried one, what are you waiting for? Just go to magicwandemily.com. That's magicwandemily.com to order yours today.